So as we can see, uh, the parsha this week is Vayikra, and it means, and he called, but, thank you so much, Gil. Um, it means, but we're talking about the Lord, so it's really the Lord called, and this is a key to what I'd like to talk about, um, because Leviticus is all about holiness, and uh, we see that, by the way, the name, uh, as I've said a number of times, the name of the parasha is always taken from the first line of the reading. So in this case, it'd be Leviticus 1. And uh, this is the reading for this weekend. Um, the idea that the name of the book of Leviticus comes from the Septuagint, which is a Greek version of the Hebrew Bible made for Greek-speaking Jews in the 3rd and 2nd century before Yeshua. And Israel was to know Scripture. They were to be a priestly nation. And the purpose, as I was mentioning, of Leviticus is all about to provide instruction for how a people who sin, who are supposed to be priests before the Lord, can redeem their relationship with a holy God and enter into His presence as they are and we are intended to do. So uh, for me, the key verse in the book of Leviticus is Leviticus 11.45, which I realize is not part of the parasha, but we'll start there anyway. For I am Adonai who brought you out of the land of Egypt to be your God. Therefore, you shall be holy, for I am holy. That to me is the key to Leviticus. We are to be holy. And even though the book itself was written uh, mainly in terms of the, the priests and, and what they are to do, uh, certainly we are priests before the Lord. So last week we talked about the glory of God as we ended the book of Exodus. And this week we talk about being holy because we understand that holiness is so important when you're even thinking about the glory of God. And in Isaiah 6.3, it says, Holy, holy, holy is Adonai Tzivaot. And for those of you who did your research on doing something three times, notice, holy, holy, holy is Adonai. I know Sarah did. <laughs> so, holy, holy, holy is Adonai Tzivaot. The whole earth is full of his glory. So God wants us to be holy. And Vayikra uh, is the beginning of our journey. Our journey towards holiness. We're not going to be holy the minute we accept Yeshua as Messiah. We have the ability to be holy, but God wants us to walk take that walk with him. You know, the, the people of Israel are called Israel because we struggle with God. And that's a good thing. We are to struggle. We are to struggle to become holy. But we've got to have that as our goal. And uh, in 1 Peter 2.9, it says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood. So that's who we are. We're a holy nation. 
Now that doesn't mean the United States is a holy nation. It's talking to those people who are believers. So we are a nation within a nation. We are holy. A people for God's own possession. So that you may proclaim, you and I, we are to be holy in order to proclaim the praises of the one, God, who called us out of darkness and into his marvelous light. And so this is a critical verse for us as well, as we see the purpose of why God has called us. So what does it mean to be holy? I'd like to look at a couple, uh, well, one main scripture, uh, but... Before we do that, are you, are you willing to take the spiritual journey to become holy? You know, you have to figure out whether you want to follow God. Because there's always a fight. There's always a struggle. And the enemy wants a piece of us, so to speak. And um, you have to figure it out. And... and you know, I mentioned uh, and read Leviticus 11.45, but it's repeated two times about this holy nation. Once in Leviticus 19.2, and then in 1 Peter 1.13-16, which I'd like to take a couple minutes and look at. Verse 13 says, so brace your minds for action. This means that God doesn't want you sitting on the fence. He wants you to be active going forward not passive not saying well i'll tell you if i feel right today you know uh, god wants us to be a god of action let me let me say something that helps me with action i don't know if it will help you because maybe you're not a task oriented person but i happen to be a task oriented person and so if you put a task in front of me i will do it because i seek to be faithful and and whatever now the thing is that there are plenty of times that i don't want to do something <laughs> plenty of times but if there is a task that is required so as an example um you know, you heard the joke about the guy who, who was with his mom and his mom was trying to get him to services. You, you heard that, right? You, you know, oh, she says, you have to go to services. All the people are there. And you have to go to services because this is our commitment. And you have to go to... And, and he says, I don't want to go to services. And she says, but you're the rabbi. <laughs> so that's really... You know, the fact that I have a job to do gets me up in the morning, you know? And so you have to give yourself jobs to get yourself up because there's some days I had one or so this week where I just wanted to take the, the covers and, and stay in bed and put them over my head and, and say, that's it. But I had appointments that day. I couldn't. You know, it's not like when you're a kid and you see the first drop of snow. Oh, it's a snow day. Can't go to school. Okay. Well, at any rate. Um, so we are to be people of action. 
And uh, the second thing it says, it's kind of interesting in this verse, in verse 13, it says, keep your balance. Now, the, NS, the NASB, the New American Standard, says sober. The ESV says sober-minded. I think what it's referring to is having a serious look at life, that we, we shouldn't just be whatever, you know? It should be a serious look at life. The message... Uh, I don't usually look at the message, but for this one I did. It says, get your head in the game. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll take that. Um, but remember, we're getting our head in the game in order to be holy. Yes. And so the next verse, which uh, is a great verse, set your hope completely on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Yeshua the Messiah. Now, most times that I've seen people talk about this verse, it's always about the future. Bless you. It's always about the future, but I believe it's also about the past and the present. Uh, I believe that grace is that important a subject that we have to understand it. If we do not understand grace, it's going to be hard to understand Yeshua, our Messiah, because his, his life and what he did for us is wrapped up in grace. In fact, he represents grace from God the Father so that we would understand and have a hope and, and, and really sense what, what God is like. And so our hope, it, it, it's interesting that this scripture says, hope completely on the grace. So whether it's grace that will happen when Yeshua comes back, or grace that did happen when Yeshua gave his life for us, it's, God is filled with grace and, and it allows us to understand that we don't have to strive to be perfect because God is going to fill us with grace. On the other hand, because he does, we want to strive to be perfect because we want to please him, but we, we don't have to be perfect. And that's important to understand. Verse 14. Like obedient children, do not be shaped by the cravings you had formerly in your ignorance. Well, uh, that's a difficult one. Help, help. Um, because there are so many cravings in this life. And so many are not of God. And God is linking up the not doing the craving to being obedient. So if you want to be seen obedient by God, you are going to have to understand that you're going to have to put aside those cravings. And that's difficult. Now, part of our holiness, I believe, is, requires us to be obedient. So we're not going to forget the things that have happened to us. If you've had awful things happen to you, you're not going to forget that. But you can push them away. You don't allow them residence in your mind. Because if you do, 
all your actions and reactions will be based on that hurt and that baggage. And so if we're going to be obedient to God, we're going to have to say, I know I was hurt terribly, and now I'm pushing it aside because that's not what my behavior is going to look like. I'm not going to look like a victim. I'm an overcomer in the Lord. So like obedient children, do not be shaped. Oh, don't be shaped by the baggage, by the cravings, by the things of your past. You want to be shaped by today's relationship with God, you want to be shaped by the grace and the future hope that is within you. You want to be shaped by who God is and not who people have and how they've messed with you in your life. Verse 15. Instead, just like the Holy One who called you, be holy yourselves also in everything you do. We are told to be holy by not allowing these distractions of the past to be in our heart and mind. This is true obedience. And then in verse 16, it says, Kiddushim, you shall be, for I am Kadosh. And you know, when I see that, Kiddushim means holy ones. It doesn't just sound like a description. It almost sounds like a name. In other words, God is naming you. He, that's how encouraged he is about who you are. He's naming you. He's not just describing you. He's saying, hey, holy ones, come over. You know, you shall be. This is who you shall be. This is your identity. You are to be holy ones because the Lord is holy. It says, I am Kadosh. Kadosh uh, so, what does it mean to be holy? Let's take a look at that. I believe that one of the reasons people are, have such a hard time with the word holy is because they're not using a biblical definition to it. Holy means to set apart. Set apart. It doesn't mean uh, some of the things, you know, I, I, I think of uh, like uh, just people have this negative connotation about the word holy. It means that you're better than everybody else. Or holy means you're a goody-goody. Uh, this is not really what it is. It, it's holy means to be set apart. It's like the Sabbath. In uh, Exodus 20, I don't know, is it verse 8 or 9? It says to keep the Sabbath, uh, set it apart to keep the Sabbath holy. You, we are to set it apart. And, and um so we set it apart from the six days, and on the seventh day we come together as a people to worship God, and we're setting apart this day from all those other days. That's how we are to live our life. We are to be set apart for God. And just like if you had a vase that you 
wanted to protect. You put it on a high shelf so the kids don't get there. And, and, you, and th you have made that holy. You have made that vase holy. Not in the sense of, of, of a God holy, but, but to you, you've set that apart so that it won't get disturbed, it won't break. And, and the more you set yourself apart, temptations will not be able to affect you. So if you are put aside by yourself for God, then the temptations become more obvious and they are not going to hurt you. And, and this is how we are to see this idea of holiness. One of the things that really irritates me, uh, just looking at somebody who mentioned this to me uh, this week. Uh, at any rate, she'll go nameless for now. But uh, she said, you know why people don't come to services, don't, don't uh, join a, a congregation? Because the people who are there are, are, are just, sometimes they're not nice. Other times they're hypocrites. They're, and, and, you know, and how many of you have heard that before? We've all heard it. We've all heard it. And the point is, if we're set apart from God, for God, we won't be that way. When somebody comes in that door, we're going to greet them. We're going to hug them. We're going to bless them and say, welcome. And if somebody who you've been here with for a year and you're working with, and, and for some reason that, that there's tension, you're just going to let that tension go because you are setting aside yourself for God. And this is not going to be an issue because God is coming first. We have to see that People who are coming here, they're going to look at us and they're going to decide whether or not we're walking the talk. And um, we can't have an attitude uh, like, well, that's their problem. How many times have I heard that one? Well, that's their problem. No, it's not their problem. It's our problem because God has set us aside to be holy and to be seen as somebody who is gracious and welcoming and loving and compassionate. And that's what we're supposed to be seen in like and anything less is not pleasing God. It's not being obedient. So it means we have to get out of our comfort zone. We have to do all sorts of things. God's standards are way high. That, but that's what it means to be set apart. God isn't calling us to be perfect, but he is calling us to be distinct. We're to be different. We are to be different from the world. Can you think of some examples of how you are different from the world? Oh, good. Because I, the, the correct answer is, yup. That is the correct answer. That is the correct answer. So I was doing some reading and, and this week, and I came upon what I think is a somewhat obscure article from a guy I never heard of before. His name is J.C. Ryle. I'm assuming nobody's ever heard of him or read any of his work. Who, who's heard of him, John? Oh, last night. Oh, Billy. 
Yeah, last night. Okay, Billy, thanks. <laughs> any rate, he's a 19th century Anglican bishop. And um, he just wrote an amazing article on holiness. So I'm stealing a lot of it. Uh, sorry about that. Uh, but it was so good. It, it was right what I wanted to say, but he said it first. Um, number one, holiness is the habit of being of one mind with God. Just think about it. According to his mind described in Scripture. Not according to your mind, according to his mind. And so whatever he hates, we hate. Whatever he loves, we love. Uh, we measure everything by his standard, his word. And if you can do that, you are going to be a holy person. Number two. A holy man will endeavor to shun every known sin and to keep every known commandment. Give that some thought. Number three, a holy man will strive to be like our Lord Yeshua. So let me give you some suggestions or some ideas, not suggestions, ideas as to some of Yeshua's characteristics. Number one, forgives. Number two, walks in love. Number three, faithful witness to the truth. Number four, does the will of the Father even when it means denying himself. Meek and patient under, even though he had undeserved insults. Think of that. Meek and patient even though he didn't deserve the insults he got. He was full of love and compassion, sought not the praise of man, uncompromising calling out sin, and instant in prayer. Those are some of the ones that I came up with. Number four, a holy man will be meek, patient, gentle, good-tempered, and have control over their tongue. Why do we say holy man? Maybe we should say holy man and women. I, mean, I feel like I'm leaving you out or something. Uh, number five. A holy man will follow after charity and brotherly kindness. Uh, you know, you will seek to live the golden rule that anything you would want to have done, you would do to others, including how you speak. Number six, a holy man will hate lying and slandering and backbiting and cheating and dishonesty and unfair dealings, even in the very least or small things. Number seven, a holy man will follow after a spirit of mercy and benevolence towards others. Now, I just want to take a moment and discuss mercy because mercy is something you give in, in a, when somebody has done something wrong. 
you provide them mercy. There's no reason to give people mercy if they've done something right. It's when they do something wrong. So conversely, if somebody does something wrong and you don't give them mercy, you are merciless. <laughs> right, we mentioned it three times. That's a very godly thing. I, look, mercy is so difficult because you are aware of what they've done wrong. You're aware of it. And probably they haven't asked any kind of forgiveness. So there you are. They've done something wrong. And there you are. And you have an option of mercy or not. And he said, well, if, if they would only repent of what they did, I, I certainly could forgive them. I can give them mercy. But I have to wait to, to see some kind of good coming out of this. It's not mercy. Just think about it because it's, yeah, okay. A holy man will follow after the fear of God. The fear of God, I believe, is really important because the fear that you have is that he is so awesome that, that he doesn't even have to do something for us to feel the pressure of, of trying to satisfy him because he's so beyond awesome. And, and so the fear is, is our fear of not doing things correctly before a God who's perfect. A holy man will follow after humility. Humility is another difficult thing to prefer others to yourself in terms of doing, in terms of your speech, in terms of, uh, I mean, there, there's a theme. This is why being holy is a journey, because it's hard. It's hard, but humility means, okay, I don't feel like it, but I'm going to do what you suggested first, and then I'll take care of my own needs. Ten, a holy man will follow after faithfulness in all the duties and relations. I want to be a person, when you give me a job, it's done. I also want to deal with people, when I give you a job, it's done. <laughs> That's faithfulness. Faithfulness. It's one part of faithfulness, but it's a good part. So, holiness only results from, I believe, a right relationship with God. And you have to believe in Yeshua, the Messiah, and his gift of eternal life. So, if we have not placed our faith in God's Son alone, that's the key, then our pursuit of holiness is in vain. It's like if we do something really good and we don't show love, we're a clanging symbol, right? Same, same idea. Same idea. So I would 
want to offer anybody here or on Facebook Live that opportunity because after all, a relationship with the living God, what can be better than that and separating ourselves from the world, not to blend in, but to be according to God's word as, as what the Bible says and then we grow in it. We grow in it. And so the point that I would like to make about the parashat this day is Vaikra, and he called. He called you and I to be holy because he is holy. And so this book, as we read it through, is going to be about becoming holy, satisfying the Lord, and, and doing the things that the Lord has asked us to do. He's first, at this point, called us to accept Yeshua the Messiah. We do this by faith. But it's the beginning of our journey to holiness. So with that in mind, if there's anybody who wants to take that step today, do it now. Do it now. Say this prayer as we talk about wanting to be holy. We're going to receive Yeshua as our Messiah and Lord. And so we say, Lord, I'm sorry. Sorry for my sins. I repent. Lord, I receive you into my life and I, I want the atonement for my sins that only you can give me. And so I want to dedicate my life to you forever. Make me active, Lord, for your kingdom. Father, I bless you in the name of Yeshua. So let's pray for all of us to have that active mindset for the Lord. Abba, Father, we love you with all our heart, soul, mind. And, and I first ask not only for myself and my family, but for our congregation, forgive us of our sins, Lord. Forgive us of our sins, please, Father. And let us be assured of your grace completely so that we have the strength, the motivation to follow you in everything you direct us. That your word would be alive in our, in our hearts, in our minds, in our spirit. That we would realize an abundant life comes from being holy and following your word and being someone that everybody can depend on because we are faithful. Lord, I pray in the name of Yeshua, pour out your spirit upon us. Transform. If there is schmutz, if there's dirt... <laughs> schmutz, yes, that's dirt. If, if there is schmutz, God understands schmutz. If there is schmutz in our being, Lord, please just eliminate it. Transform us so that we can be clean before you. Wash us clean, Father. Let our spirits be open to receiving that atoning work and the cleanliness that you want to perform within us in our innermost being.
So, Father, we thank you. We bless you. We praise you. And we honor you. In the name of Yeshua. Amen.